The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds in every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and get a $500 risk-free sports bet by downloading the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning today. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com to get a $500 risk-free bet from us at Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by PicksWise. PicksWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks. Visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. We're also brought to you in part by Odds Crowd. Are you the best football better in the U.S.? Odds Crowd challenges you to prove it with their free-to-play fantasy betting contest. Odds Crowd gives away hundreds of dollars in weekly contests, including the $100 SGPN exclusive free roll contest. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Yes, here we go. As we proceed along in the month of September, we are back in on our little boxing podcast and show like the little engine that could. We think we can. We think we can. We know we can on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable host. He is our senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, all-around good guy. Let's check in with Week Sauce Radio. Marquise Johns back aboard on the podcast. How are we feeling as we head to another weekend? Pretty good, TJ, and a weekend where there's no boxing. Thank goodness, because last weekend was absolutely atrocious. More <laughs> on that in a moment. There actually is a little bit, but not noteworthy, not championship caliber boxing we've got a special guest lee groves uh from uh, ring tv and also from the in the corner uh podcast on fight tv we look forward to talking to lee groves it is a rookie appearance for him hopefully marquise does not initiate him too thoroughly and scare him off we will find out momentarily uh and a lot of historical perspective marquise that lee brings to the podcast here tonight somebody's got to help us out uh, we got the ali spinks two anniversary this week at the time we're taping and the 40th anniversary my god can i be that old that it was 40 years ago that sugar ray leonard defeated tommy hitman hearns in the first of their two fights uh, that was September the 16th, 1981. Lee is here to set us straight on all of that history, Marquise. Absolutely. And I could not, TJ, to give you a little behind, uh, behind the corner here, uh, Lee Groves is a man who was challenged on Boxing Jeopardy. We're talking to the champ, TJ. That's, that's, that's what's going on here on the Peak Fight Weekend Podcast. Is he podcast. unified? Is he undisputed? Uh, oh, forget about it. If, he, if he's for the yeah, WBC, yeah. he can be champion for life no matter if he takes PEDs. So we'll find that out from Lee. 
uh, coming up in a few moments. By the way, before we get to Lee, a reminder, however you found this podcast, wherever you found this podcast, social media link through our friends at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, their network of shows, et cetera. Subscribe. What do we tell them, Marquise? Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. subscribe. Yes. Comes automatically to you usually on Friday midday, previewing the weekend of fights. It is a little lean for the fights this weekend, but the good news is we've got some more important ones that are coming in the coming weeks. Usually we're in the preview mode. As we always say, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Because if the event, if the fight is big enough, or if there is breaking news that is big enough, we'll come back in with a podcast, let's say, uh, Sunday, Monday, early in the week, and you will get that automatically if you are subscribed to this podcast. More and more of you have been finding us Keep subscribing, and if you see us on Apple Podcasts, rate and review the podcast uh, as well. More will find us that way as well. All right, so we have built it all up. Let's get into it right now. News of last weekend and much more, and welcome in out of the blue corner. I don't know. Maybe he prefers the red corner. Lee Groves <laughs> is here with us. Lee does great work with uh, CompuBox, does great work with Ring TV. Did I get the podcast name right? For God's sakes, it's In the Corner is the name of the podcast. Am I right on Fight TV? Hello, Lee Groves. A actually, it's In This Corner. Ah, I was the so podcast. close. I just, I needed you were the close. adjective. I needed the adjective. <laughs> Almost there. Almost in there. This Corner is the name of the podcast. <laughs> Look them up. Uh, Lee, great to have you. Thank you for hanging with us. Uh, despite that it's Marquise asking for the invitation, I'm thrilled that you still <laughs> agreed to join us and hang out with us here on, on Big Fight Weekend. Hey, anytime I get a chance to talk boxing and boxing history, I'm there, man. Love that. Um, all right, I promise we'll get to Ali Spinks too. It's amazing. That was 43 years ago. And then yeah. Leonard and... Hearns 40 years ago this week at the time that we're taping before we get into that boys we must discuss the events of last weekend including in tucson arizona the espn top rank show that can only be described as bizarre from beginning to end oscar valdez as we well documented wbc featherweight champion allowed to fight not only allowed to fight but allowed to keep and defend his wbc title despite testing positive for a ped uh, we would say stoop to new lows for boxing, but you would almost have to go below sea level or underwater at this point uh, for <laughs> boxing to allow a champion to keep his belt and defend it despite having been caught as a drug cheat. Nonetheless, fight took place. Valdez gets a 12-round decision uh, against uh, Robson uh, Concicao, if I said it, Concicao, Concicao of Brazil, who fought, he was, he was kind of good at the beginning, but he, he kind of faded as the fight went on, could have maybe gone either way. Not a surprise, Valdez, hometown guy, uh, Mexican by birth, but raised in the Tucson area. He gets the decision. That's not a shock. All right, Marquise, you first and then Lee. Thoughts as all of that came to an end and Valdez keeps the title. Still trying to figure out the game plan that Conceal had in the second half of this fight, TJ, because he was winning flat out five rounds to nothing. Well, except in the one scorecard where it was 117-111. But for the most often than not, TJ, he was up in this fight. Then he started showboating, and then he stopped punching. And that's what cost him this fight. You can't go to a guy's hometown bout as the B-side and stop punching. And he did that for the second half of this fight. He did the Roy Jones thing. He did the, show, the hands behind the back. That's cool and all, but if you don't throw a punch at Valdez's face, uh, it doesn't score register on the judges' scorecards. Uh, Lee, we scorched the WBC, as you could tell by my lead-in. 
about allowing this to go on, not so much them allowing it to go on, but allowing him to keep the title. What are your impressions of the whole controversy and then the fight itself? I, I, I agree. The fight shouldn't have taken place. Uh, there's a very strong case. You could have stripped the title away from Valdez. It sets a very bad precedent. Um, but they, they used a loophole. They went their two standards, the VADA standard, which is no illegal drugs in the system at any time. And the WADA standard, which is uh, no drugs or a drug, you know, no drugs in the system from 1159 p.m. the night before the fight until the end of the competition, which is the end of the fight. And because uh, Valdez tested negative after the positive test, that's that's the avenue by which they justified it and the, and the commission justified it. And so the fight went on. We saw it. What happened happened. And we <laughs> move on, unfortunately. I, I did think it was interesting. Uh, Marquise made reference to this. That one of the judges who's a Colorado based judge, and I hope I get the name pronunciation right. I have no idea. Is it Stephen Blee? Stephen Blay, B-L-E-A who has been a world championship judge or referee in the past for the WBC. He was the judge that scored the fight. Marquise 117-110 because there was a point deduction point for the Brazilian deduction. challenger uh, earlier in the fight. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. He was accountable and he basically came out after the fact and said, I rewatched this on TV and the fight was closer and I need to be retrained. I need to be better. He brought up a couple of other interesting points, including one of them was his vantage point was being obstructed by the ESPN camera guy on the apron. What, I, what in the name of the 1970s or 60s is this, that you've got somebody in the way of one of the judges whose job it is to score the fight? Uh, he talked about having his hand stepped on by the cameraman, that he had still photographers next to him, that he's having an elbow like he's underneath in the NBA trying to box out and get a rebound. I don't get that. Um, so I thought it was refreshing on the one hand. I mean, it's it's bad. It looks bad for the sport that this is what's going on. Marquise, you first, then Lee again. What do you make of that where the judge came out and said, uh, forgive me here? You know what, TJ? I, this, this is one of the few times while I actually accept a judge's apology for a crappy scorecard with the caveat that he said he was rusty. He's not the only rusty judge, TJ, which is impressive because he's actually one of the better ones they have at the WBC. That's that pretty sanctioned fights. And he's saying he needs uh, a refresher course. I don't, I don't need to tell you guys that a lot of these judges need a refresher course. I mean, that's, that's pretty much implied here. But the one thing I thought that was interesting that he was mentioning is that he couldn't see anything because of ESPN's vantage point. As you know, TJ, I've been ringside for a couple of these top-ranked shows, and I can tell you they, they crammed the stuff in there. And the one thing, if, if, the, if the judges' side of the fight were apparently this casino that they were at, out, out, which was an outdoor venue as well, which, which probably made a lot of this a lot more worse also, is – and he still couldn't see, and he had to deal with uh, the cameraman stepping on his hand because probably he was the judge's corner was probably set up next to the one electrical socket in the in the whole freaking arena, probably, which which, which, which what the sounds like. Uh, it's not a good look, but I thought that was interesting, and I'm I'm actually. At least he at least he was apologetic about it. A lot of these judges, you go, you don't get to hear a word or a vow vow whatsoever, you know, after they just turn the cards in. Lee, what do you make of the judge asking for the, the plea for forgiveness here and the issues that he raised in trying to be able to see? Because, again, he mentioned that early on in the fight, he's got a cameraman obstructing him to his left where he couldn't see the fighters in the corner. And he's an official judge, Lee. I wonder what he did. Did he even try to get the cameraman out of the way? 
hey, you're blocking my view. Down in you know, front. Down in front. <laughs> I need to see this. Um, I, another thing that struck me was the fact that he admitted to being affected by the crowd noise. And that's something that a, a, a an experienced world championship, that's one of the first things that you have to have to learn to do is to block out the noise and to focus and you've got to focus to do your job. And uh, obviously, you know, he, he admitted that, uh, that he was, uh, that he was distracted. That's not good. And um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, uh, the, he said he rescored the fight. He rescored the fight. He probably did it off TV. He probably, I don't know whether he had the sound on or not, but, Really, to me, the only valid scorecard is the one that you score live because you you're you don't have any of the post fight narrative affecting you. If 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 the herd, you know, our, our tendency is to is to belong and not to stand out. Yeah. And you tend to go with the herd and the and the uh, conventional wisdom of opinion. And his opinion at the time was he was ahead 117 to 110. And then he heard the uproar about it. And then to sort of make up for it, he uh, rescored the fight and maybe gave some of the swing rounds to, uh, to, uh, to Kansai Sao yeah. and, um, and made his scorecard a little more in line with his peers. Now, it's good that he admits that he admitted his mistakes. He said he's going to go through uh, retraining. He's going to refuse assignments for a certain amount of time. That's good. But still, you know, uh, he revealed his flaws at the same time. And you kind of wonder how long will it be before he is given another fight of this import? If I'm the WBC, though, it's refreshing honesty, and I would let him go through the training and go through and do it. And some other people need to be in that same training from their yeah. organization and, and, and from some others. Hundreds. Uh, <laughs> one, one more on this, and then I want to move on to what was the Evander Holyfield Triller pay-per-view debacle. And I promise we're getting to the historical perspective. My God, can we talk about Hall of Fame greats <laughs> like Ali and Leonard and Hearns instead of talking about the drug controversy with Oscar Valdez and whatever that pay-per-view was with Evander Holyfield. But we will talk about that Holyfield a little bit, then we'll move on to the other stuff in a moment. But one more um, on this point that Lee is making, you are influenced by the crowd roaring. There is no doubt, and you have to black that out. You're further influenced by the commentary. Uh, to Lee's point, when you're re-watching the TV broadcast, that's influencing you as well. Marquise and I love to text each other when a big-time fight's going on, and I will sometimes send the text. He knows. What fight are these announcers watching? They are They are – a lot of times in diverse opinions from themselves, opposite opinions from themselves and opposite opinions from others that are watching it. So that absolutely Marquise to you, that absolutely is going to influence you when you're listening to the announcers say this guy's winning the round or this guy's won several rounds. You no, know, TJ, it's weird. And uh, it's interesting with these top rank shows and, and Andre Ward's been recently doing this a lot lately with these shows where it, it, it becomes where he's not actually really scoring the fight, guys. It becomes the story of the narrative of the fight. And the problem with that with this fight was they spent the entire five day broadcast, which started, I think, my time at like two o'clock in the afternoon until God knows how long on these coast, uh, pretty much saying this fight shouldn't happen. We shouldn't be here. Blase, blase. And then you, they, they, the main event, you, you hear, you know, Andre Ward saying, well, I think that 
oh, this is winning this. Oh, I thought you guys didn't want him to fight a second ago. What happened here? It's, it's a weird it's a weird box that they're in for that. And it's also annoying because to back up Lee's point about the judge being influenced by the television broadcast, that's all he would have heard on the broadcast if he had it once he had the sound off. So if, if he had, honestly, if it, my thing with that is if he was going to rescore this fight, he, he, as Lee mentioned, he's better off just, just going with the first card he turned in the first time because, or, you know, tap your other two judge buddies on the shoulder. Hey, what score do you got? I got this here. What do you have? <laughs> like, Something like along in those high lines. school when you didn't know the answers and you're trying to get help. TJ, uh, what's the answer number seven? But I, I mean, it is, it is very telling <laughs> that the other two judges in the first six rounds of the fight all gave Concicao or Conciao, however you say yeah. it, um, they gave him four of the first six rounds, I believe, on their cards. They they yeah. they both had him four two. Meanwhile, Blee or Blay, however you pronounce it, B L E A B L E A, he gave Oscar Valdez five of the first six rounds, and that's where his scorecard got so wide. They agreed after that mostly, but it got so wide at the beginning. Just interesting on boxing judges. We chalk it up to boxing judges. I promise. Let's move along, and then we'll get to the historical perspective. Marquise Johns is hanging okay. with me. Lee Groves is hanging with me. In this corner is the podcast that he's with, <laughs> ringtv.com. We love that. All right, uh, Lee, we, we talked about this uh, for a couple of weeks leading up to the Evander Holyfield, whatever that was, on pay-per-view last Saturday night. I'll go to you first. We had concern at 58 years of age. What is he doing? Why is he allowed? Why is he licensed to be in there? It turns out the fight lasted less than two minutes. Vitor Belfort, former UFC light heavyweight champion, hit him solidly a couple of times, a lot of glancing blows. The uh, the referee had obviously been instructed, first sign of trouble, you end this thing. You do not yeah. let him get seriously hurt. Those are my thoughts. Lee, you're up first here on Holyfield being stopped after more than 10 years out of the ring, being stopped, or right at 10 years out of the ring, being stopped in less than two minutes at 58 years of age. What a sad spectacle that was. Those of us who remember Evander Holyfield at his best – it, it was it was it, it didn't need to go it didn't need to happen this way it didn't need to happen at all uh but you know the uh oscar de la hoya was the original opponent now considering seeing how uh, vitor belfort performed you kind of wonder how oscar would have fared against that version of belfort but uh he got he came down with covid the fight was moved across the country on less than a week's notice to Florida, which is quite the feat in itself, to find a venue, to get the licensing, all the all the rigmarole that you have to do uh, with the red tape and, and, and the procedures, that was amazing that they could pull that off. And then for Holyfield to accept the fight on that short notice. Now, he's been wanting to fight for years. He's wanting to come back to the ring because obviously he's he has money issues and yeah. he had some money issues with Triller specifically. And this was one way that Triller could settle the score, so to speak. Um, he, he came out of the ring. He said he was unhurt. There was some slipping around in the ring. There, there were other earlier fights in which uh, the, the ring surface was not exactly the most stable. And um, yeah, it looked to me that the first sign of trouble stopped the fight. Uh, there was a lot of talk about whether Evander Holyfield should be allowed to fight at age 58. Cosmetically, he looked good, but looking at the training videos, looking at him perform, 
he should never enter a boxing ring again, except for a fun exhibition or for charity or for something like that. But as far as a real fight with real combat, no way. Marquise. I don't know what dumpster fire we all saw last Saturday night from Triller with this Evander Holyfield card, guys. And the biggest problem that I have with it actually isn't Evander Holyfield in the ring. I, my biggest problem with this whole fight card was just this whole fight card even being being on being on, the, on television to begin with. Like, up and down, guys, this fight card was legitimately unwatchable. And the music acts were lip-syncing and also unwatchable. <laughs> and uh, 50 Cent was on the main broadcast with Ray Flores and Sean Porter saying absolutely nothing, making his part of the conversation unwatchable watchable and on the other side you can, have, you can have the alternate commentary with donald trump and todd grisham and if you're a democrat that's officially unwatchable this is not a good <laughs> show all around guys and the, the, the fights weren't any better david hay was was sparring with a guy joe fournier and then uh, from what we what i've gathered guys and what, what they were all saying because I, I talked to patrick uh water washburn on the yeah, florida blood commission on wednesday about this because I, I, I had to know was these fights exhibitions? And he told me that they were because that was the one thing I wanted to know where it's like, there's no way this guy's this stupid to let these fights go on, right? And sure enough, he wasn't. So these are all fake fights anyway. So that part's fine, which is also bad because I was told by Triller for $49.95, I was going to get a heavyweight sanctioned bout. Now you're telling me that from the commission that it's an exhibition and I won't know until I get the receipt for the cable bill. Thanks. It went back and forth about right. it all week long. We were back and forth. I submitted research, I, you know, as if it was a real fight. And I also submitted research as if it was an exhibition. <laughs> and we didn't know until the last minute what it was. And that's basically, if we can add, why is this important? That's basically why it was allowed to go on. Because Evander Holyfield yeah. didn't even meet the criteria in Florida. And again, I'm in yeah. West Central Florida in Tampa, St. Petersburg, where Marquise used to be. He's now in Denver uh, preparing to freeze uh, for the winter. Uh, but in, in Florida, if you if you haven't figured this out yet, we kind of beat our own drum on a lot of things, Wild West in a lot of ways. Florida even, does things different. But even <laughs> Florida has standards on if you've been out of the ring X amount of time and you're X amount of age, you're not getting licensed to fight an actual fight but in this case, they were doing the fast one, the okie doke. They were sliding it secretly as an exhibition. And again, with the understanding that it's the first time somebody's in trouble, the fight is over. Stop the fight. It's over. Uh, so that's Alfred how it happened. Like as it quickly, we find, yeah, we find this out after the fact. So uh, there we go. Uh, that, that's what ends up happening. And as Lee said, hopefully that's it on Evander Holyfield. He got whatever money he, get, he could get. We have now yeah. since found out on the day that we're taping this podcast headed to the weekend here. As again, you're hanging out here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. You're hearing from Marquise Johns, our senior writer at BigFightWeekend.com. Lee Groves is here as well. Ring TV, CompuBox. In this corner is the podcast on Fight TV, video and audio. Uh, we have found out that Triller might have had slightly more audience than C-SPAN last Saturday night for the pay-per-view. <laughs> it's debatable. It's close. I, I, legit question here. I mean, they've got the looming uh, Teofimo Lopez, George Cambosis lightweight title fight that's going to be on a Monday night because they're trying to figure out when it can run and where it can run. How big a trouble is Triller in? Educated speculation. Marquise, then Lee. Marquise, how big a trouble they're in when apparently not many were watching this the other night and there's real concern that not many are going to be in attendance or watching Lopez Cambosis either. 
I'm trying to figure that out myself, TJ, because there's not too much these guys can do left in terms of like uh, spectacles and musical acts. At this point, they're running out of they're running out of old celebrities to fight, guys, and running out of UFC random guys to, to match them up against. They're also running out of musical acts. I mean, the the act on Tuesday for the for the Triller, Trillerverse card was Fat Joe and Ja Rule, guys. Uh, I'm I'm a rap guy. That is definitely second tier rap rap artists from the late '90s, early 2000s, guys. So they're run, they're running out of talent both on the boxing side and the musical side, which is what their whole hook was. Was. So I don't know, TJ, where they, they can survive past next tax season with this. And they, they're on the hook for at least two more cards, one against Monday Night Football, another one involving Michael Hunter and a, another no-name heavyweight opponent. So we'll see. All right. Uh, Lee, your opinion? Uh, I I am as uh, – <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. I have no <laughs> idea what the financial state of Triller is. Uh, there, there are a lot of date changes, venue changes, opponent changes – uh, shuffling the cards, it, it's chaotic. Uh, it, it's a wonder how they keep the ball, all the balls in the air. Uh, it just remains to be seen what 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 happens next. And uh, they did have a pretty good card. I think Michael Dutchover was was yeah. uh, knocked out uh, in an upset. Uh, uh, Danielito Zaria scored a quick knockout over Pablo Cesar Cano. Uh, I've read Twitter. The, the, that card was pretty well yeah. received. Real yeah. fights, real action, and real upsets. So uh, I, I would rather that uh, that Triller uh, stick to the real boxing with real fighters and build that up. But uh, that's not what, what Triller is all about. It's a mesh of entertainment and and boxing. And uh, you know, it's been tried before. Uh, I remember in the 2000s when, uh, you know, we had celebrity boxing with Tanya yes. Harding and oh Barry God, Williams yes. and Danny my, Bonaducci. My personal and, favorite, as you know, Lee, uh, Screech uh, beating up on poor Horshack never gets old. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, 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 and that lasted for a little while. But yeah. the difference now between then and now is social media and money and uh, social media and money really drive this. And. I think that the boxing public is is already fed up with it. I think it's the larger audience that tunes into the music, the more casual fans, that will determine the fate of all of this. If they go away as well, it's going to dry up. But if, if they are able to uh, get more musical acts and, and other sideshow elements to it, it can stick around for a while. We'll see. Good enough on that. A few minutes left with Lee Groves. You're hearing his voice on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Marquise John's also hanging here. Let's get to stuff that really mattered even four or five decades ago. This yes. week, dual anniversaries of uh, Ali Spinks 2 in the Superdome, which at that time, up until earlier this year, when Canelo Alvarez's title defense against Billy Joe Saunders broke the indoor U.S. attendance record for a fight. That one had 63,000 in the Superdome, 1978, live on ABC TV, ABC's Wide World of Sports, with the Howard Cosell on the call. Right. 90 million people, kids, for the audience and these guys, 90 million, like Super Bowl-type numbers, watched the Ali Spinks rematch as he wanted. Lee, give me a little historical perspective. It's, it's great to go back. And uh, and to reminisce, I know earlier this year we lost Leon Spinks due to health problems, yeah. cancer, etc. cetera. Uh, Ali dying a couple of years ago as well from complications of Parkinson's. But it's great to go back and, and relive the history. And real quick, Ali regaining the heavyweight title in the Superdome is big time history 1978. 
It was. And uh, up to that point, no heavyweight champion had ever won a piece of the title on a third occasion. And uh, not many people thought that Ali would lose for the second time against Leon Spank seven months before, February 15th, 1978 in Las Vegas. And uh, Leon Spinks, eight professional fights coming in, and he beats Muhammad Ali by a split decision. But, uh, you know, I ran the numbers with the CompuBox off video. Leon Spinks won by a much bigger margin than that. He beat up Muhammad Ali. And Ali thinking, you know, he says, this is going to be the last time for me. Uh, I'm going to train and I'm going to train the hardest that I've ever trained. He gets his body slimmed down. He says he's not going to do any rope-a-dope. He says, I'm going to move for 15 rounds. Move for 15 rounds. He did. It was slower. It was uh, it was not the prime time alley of, of the past, but it was good enough to beat Leon Spinks, who uh, in the interim as heavyweight champion had all sorts of problems, uh, you know, driving violations and mm. and uh, and it just chaos. Ali had Angelo Dundee in the corner giving him advice. Leon Spinks in the corner had five guys yelling instructions at him at once. George <laughs> Sounds kind of like this podcast, by the way, yeah. on instructions continually. George, George Benton was the only one who gave Leon advice that allowed him to win around round five. And uh, they had a rotating system. One guy would step up, give advice, then the next guy, then the next guy, and the next guy. And uh, the first four failed. And the fifth guy, George Benton, gave him advice and they wouldn't let him talk again. So he just walked out of the corner and said, I'm done with this. They're not listening to me. He ends up losing the decision. And that was the way that Muhammad Ali's career should have ended sure. with him being carried on the shoulders of his supporters, blowing kisses to the 63,350 people who showed up and going off into the sunset. But it wasn't to be, unfortunately. Yep, he fought on and we've documented that. It's sad, but that was the crowning final moment for Ali regaining the heavyweight title. Just a few moments left with Lee Groves. Marquise is going to be sticking around with me. We got fight picks and predictions still to come and a little more on the historical perspective. Before we lose you, Lee, yeah. The, the three years later, the same week, almost to the day, is the Leonard Hearns uh, phenomenal battle uh, for the World Welterweight Championship. Uh, you wrote about this for Ring TV. Free plug. Go find Lee's yeah. article on the 40th anniversary that you wrote for RingTV.com. Give me a little taste, though, about what intrigues you the most about that fight and going back and looking at it. Go. This was this was the ideal as far as timing, staging, execution. You had Sugar Ray Leonard, 25 years old, Thomas Hearns, 22 years old. Sugar Ray Leonard uh, restored all of the luster off of his earlier defeat to Roberto Duran by making Duran quit in the rematch, by uh, winning two more fights, uh, including winning the WBA junior middleweight title against Ayub Kalule on the same card that Hearns knocked out Pablo Baez. Coming into the fight, I was a 16-year-old, and I picked Hearns to win because he had the, the longer reach, he had uh, good boxing skills, his hand speed was similar, and he had that titanic right hand. Mm. And he had eight inches reach advantage, which mean that meant that Sugar Ray Leonard, if he was going to score, he was going to have to come into the cannons of Hearns' big right hand. I didn't see him winning. And for the first five rounds, Hearns, you know, uh, was the stalker, and Sugar Ray couldn't get close to him. He just circled and circled and circled. But then in round six... Leonard lands the big 45-degree left hand to the jaw, hurts Hearns badly, hurts him even worse in the seventh, 
And then the fight switches again, starting in round eight. After Emmanuel Stewart threatened to stop the fight, he says, we're going to turn boxer. We're going to go back to the style that you used in the amateurs. And he boxed brilliantly in rounds eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. He built a lead on the scorecards. And then Angelo Dundee, after the 12th round, he knows the score. Sugar Ray Leonard is down like four points, five points, and seven points on the judges' scorecards up to this point. He says, you're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. You got to fire. Lee, if I can interject, it's, it's, it. it's an epic uh, exchange in that corner for all time in boxing is Angelo Dundee yeah. looking at Ray Leonard with three minutes left. You're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. I mean, yeah. it lit the fire under Ray Leonard, didn't it, Lee, real quick? It really did. And, and Leonard was in a bad place. It was a hundred degree heat. His left eye was swollen. Uh, he was losing the fight. And for the first half of the 13th round, watch it. Hearn still outboxed him for the first half of the 13th round. And, and then it happened again. He hits him with a, with a blow on the tip of the chin. He almost knocks Hearns down. Uh, once he knocks him down at the end of the round. And then in round 14, he finishes the job. He becomes the undisputed welterweight champion of the world. But it was the kind of fight that both winner and loser were elevated. Hearns fought a, a terrific fight. He was winning on the cards. All he had to do was stay on his feet to win a decision. And Sugar Ray Leonard answered the call. You're blowing it, son. He turned it around and he made history. Mm, love this. I could talk for so much longer. Lee, we got to run here. Uh, great stuff. We plug away again on social media. He is Lee Groves Boxing. I love that. Did I get that right? Lee Groves Boxing. Yes, yes you did. Check him there. In this corner is the podcast. Read the article on Leonard and Hearns, ringtv.com for the nostalgia. Love this. Promise that we can bother you again down the road. We loved having you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, Lee. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about boxing. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, just, just you know where I am. You know love where I am, that. so love give me a call. That. Marquise will rejoin me on the other side. We'll get his thoughts on Ali Spinks, Leonard and Hearns as we roll on. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet. Are you ready to win money and boost your odds? Well, WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. And we're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. You've got exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all the favorite teams, the players, the sports. We've got the NFL starting up soon. Uh, Major League Baseball is ongoing. You've got the golf. You've got the MMA. Uh, pretty soon the NBA will be back. The NHL will be back. College football and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. We have what you need with WinBet. If you're ready to play, sign up today. Get a special offer. Get a risk-free $500 bet from us at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network by just downloading and using our promo code SGPN. Download the WinBet app. Visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to find out more right now. If you're ready to play, if you're ready to win, they're the premier sports betting experience. Download, bet, and win with WinBet. And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. And the football season is ready to kick off, and PropSwap is here to make this your best season ever. 
Because with PropSwap, your bet doesn't have to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. For example, Trey Lance of the 49ers opened up at 300-1 to to win the MVP this year, and he has already been bet down to 75 to 1 after that preseason performance just last weekend. That means if you bet 100 bucks on Trey Lance back in May, you could sell that ticket on PropSwap right now for $400, a 300% return before the season ever begins. Think of PropSwap like the stock market, but for sports betting. Buy low, sell high. The average seller on PropSwap makes over $500 a month just by listing and selling tickets. And when making your bets, remember, go for two. Make two tickets on the same team. You can sell one for a profit and leave one for yourself for skin in the game. Again, your bet doesn't necessarily have to win. It just has to improve. Think of it like the stock market. Get started today at PropSwap.com. Download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. And we're brought to you in part by Odds Crowd. If you haven't already downloaded Odds Crowd's app, you're missing out. The free roll fantasy contest is taking place on Odds Crowd this year. Ten grand for the best NFL better and sides are included this year. Also, a weekly $100 SGPN exclusive contest just for people that have the SGPN app downloaded. There's over $30,000 in cash prizes up for grabs across both the season-long and weekly contests for the NFL and college football. And the boys here at SGPN are all taking part, so you can try to claim bragging rights over us as well. Here's how it works. Once you get in the contest, you track your bets against the real odds and the lines, much like you do with any pick-tricking app. The most profitable players will rise up on the leaderboard, and if you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, then you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. It's free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com today. And we're brought to you in part by PicksWise, the number one home of free sports betting picks, props, and parlays, helmed by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatics, giving you the who, the how, and the why behind every prediction. For every game, every day, and every sport, all for free, visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. PicksWise backs responsible gambling. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. But you've got the opportunity here with PicksWise to get their favorite daily fantasy app. It's fast, it's fun, it's easy, and it all starts with prize picks. You pick two of the five players that day, decide if they'll go under or over their stat projection, and then you find out if you win. The more players you pick, the more that you can win. You can win up to 10 times your money with the prize picks, and that's the way to play. Use the promo code SGP. You'll get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, SGP is the promo code with PicksWise for a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. It's PicksWise promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Keeps, as Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair, guys. If you're follically challenged like I am, listen up. A convenient virtual doctor consults with you, gets you medication, and they deliver it straight to your door every three months. You don't even have to leave your home. It's a low cost with treatment starting as low as $10 a month, and Keeps offers generic versions of their products. Discreet packaging, 
proven results. Keeps has more and more five-star reviews every day, every week than any of its competitors. The prevention of hair loss is the key. Treatment can take four to six months to see results, so you need to act right now. And if you're ready to act to prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash SGP. Get your first month of treatment for free with our offer. That's keeps at keeps.com slash SGP. Get your first month free with keeps, keeps.com slash SGP. And we're brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Turn your picks into real cash with Prize Picks. Here's why it's going to be your favorite daily fantasy app. It's fast, it's easy, and it all starts with Prize Picks. Simply pick two to five players and decide will they go over or under their stat projection for that day. The more players you pick, the more you can win. In fact, you can win up to 10 times your money. Prize Picks is the only way to play. And use the promo code SGP to get a 100% instant deposit match bonus up to $100. That's the Prize Pick app, our promo code SGP. And we're brought to you in part by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if you've learned anything, is that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks, I know, you think, what's the catch? But when you find out more and look into their service, it all makes sense. That's because there isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. That means they're cutting out the retail stores. There's no crazy overhead cost that they pass down to the customers in the form of mystery fees. No, Mint just passes on sweet savings directly to you. For people looking for extra savings, Mint Mobile offers a premium wireless for $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. Keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile will cover you with their 7-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile. Get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. A new wireless plan, 15 bucks a month, and get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash sportsgp. That's mintmobile.com slash sportsgp. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash sportsgp. And a reminder, the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in once more. As uh, Again, thanks to Lee Groves for giving us some great insight and analysis. I welcome back Marquise John, senior writer for the site, BigFightWeekend.com. And by the way, keep reading us. Uh, keep reading, keep reading BigFightWeekend.com by the tens of thousands. Uh, you continue to pour into the website. We love it. We've seen about 50% growth coming out of this summer and into September from this time a year ago. 
Uh, I, I can tell you that for the 90 day period on the website now we're talking about, and this doesn't just include the thousands and thousands that listen to the podcast yeah. uh, every week and every month, that for the website, for the 90 day period of June, July, and August, what that 50,000 uh, or that 50% growth uh, represents, there's over 75,000 more users, Marquise, that found our website over the 75,000 more that found us this summer as opposed to the summer of 2020. Now, the argument is that in the pandemic year, June, July, August, you didn't really have fights. Fights were just resuming again in the bubble in Las Vegas. They had begun, I think, to have fights in August in the Mohegan Sun, the fight sphere fight bubble sphere. Yeah. Uh, for Showtime. But just by comparison of the sport coming back and our audience coming back and coming through, we have tens of thousands of people reading us and finding us every week, every month, and 50,000 plus more of you, probably in the neighborhood of 60,000 plus new users, more of you found us for that 90 day period. So we are grateful to that on bigfightweekend.com. Bravo, Marquise. Keep up the good work. We keep cranking along with the little website that could and the little podcast that could. Absolutely, TJ. And it's great for anybody listening and uh, those who read the stories. Thanks for thanks for doing that. As always, bigfightweekend.com. Get a chance. Leave a comment. If you know, leave any feedback. In always interested in feedback. Even if you want to say that my story sucks, I'm, all, I'm always I'm, I'm always intrieved for it. And we answer you. We answer you either through your Twitter, Week Sauce Radio, Big Fight yeah. Weekend Twitter. I will jump in from time to time. Yeah. Uh, comment on the stories. We get a lot of different comments either through Twitter, our Facebook page, BigFightWeekend.com, and we try to answer those. Uh, engage yeah. with us, engage it, with us and uh, and send us questions and comments. And yeah, TJ, oh. in, in terms of boxing, we're not the ducks in the, in the industry here. We're, 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 we're here. Find us. Yes, <laughs> we, don't, we don't duck anybody. Yeah. Uh, we're not we're not like Gary Russell, who's finally what is it? What did I see? Gary Russell finally being dropped from. Uh, oh, he's, yeah, he's getting dropped from rankings boards now rankings, because, uh, uh, because uh, he hasn't fought since uh, I think Barack Obama was in the White House. Pretty much. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, but in any event. Uh, I want to get your thoughts. I want to move to the fights this weekend, which again, we were robbed. We were supposed to have had Canelo Alvarez, Caleb Plant on this weekend back a couple of months yeah. ago. Canelo wouldn't agree, put the fight off. They couldn't figure out the terms, whatever. That's now a November fight. Then it looked like we were having a unification fight at super bantamweight between Stephen Fulton, uh, the WBO champ, Brandon Figueroa, uh, the WBC WBA unified champ. And yet Brandon Figueroa tests positive for what else? COVID-19. And so the <sighs> fight that was supposed to headline on Showtime as the one big standing championship fight this weekend, really worldwide, isn't happening either. So uh, we'll, we'll glean from a couple of PBC on Fox and Fox Sports One cards, a couple of fights where Marquise knows the prospects here in a few minutes. But before we get to that, back to what we were talking about with Lee Groves. Yeah. The dual anniversaries of Ali Spinks 2, 1978, from earlier this week at the time we're taping, followed by Leonard Hearns. My God, as I say again, could that have really been 40 years ago? It was 40 years ago. You were not on the planet in 1981. Make me feel older. I'm a I'm an 11 year old TJ watching Sugar Ray Leonard capture the undisputed uh, welterweight championship of the world. A thrilling night in Las Vegas um, in, in that September night with again, as I said to Lee Groves, uh, Angelo Dundee in his ear. You're blowing it, son. You're blowing it when you relive it on YouTube or the uh, the legendary nights um, HBO 
uh, series that they did to relive that night. It's just great to have that in the corner uh, to hear that microphone audio of the legendary Dundee who had been with Muhammad Ali to also be with Ray Leonard telling him, you're going to lose this thing if you don't do something dramatic. And he did Marquis shots and got the win. It's absolutely incredible, TJ. It, it reminds me, there's only two times in the history of uh, corners I've ever heard corner, tra- corners in their, the trainers in their corner say something and the immediate response that round after. Dundee and Leonard with that fight with Hearns where he knocked him out in the 13th round. Joe Goosen with the Cor- Castile Corrales where he said, yes. yeah, you better knock this guy out. And that was it. Because <laughs> they came incredible. over to him to wash the mouthpiece off after Corrales had been knocked down a couple of times. Nice. And he said, you better bleeping get inside and knock him out. And that's exactly what happened. Epic. Epic. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Those are the two most memorable ones. I mean, the indelible image of, of Leonard with the eye swelling, like Lee was talking yeah. about, and Dundee's in the other ear saying to him, you're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. Get out there. And he did. And, and there's an argument to be made. What do you think of this? They used to have the 15-round championship fights. If this is a 12-round fight, ifs and buts or candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. If this is a 12-round fight, Hearns wins decisively, as Lee laid out by, yeah. by official decision, yet Leonard stomped on the gas in the championship rounds of 13 and 14 and got the TKO, Marquise. Yeah, you know, it's incredible, TJ, because Turns in that first fight, well, that, that fight was boxing literally for, for a solid decade of the fight. And it was, it was one of those things with Hearns that I wonder if he could have played that fight back, if he was able to stay on the outside for those last six minutes, had he hung on for just for that bit. But Leonard wasn't having any of it. That's, 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 why, that's why these fights have to happen. And Leonard, more than just a pretty face with all the endorsements, didn't we love, and we keep talking about this from this summer, the uh, the, the Kings. Kings was the name of the documentary, the four-part documentary from Showtime that revolved around Leonard, Hearns, Hagler, and Duran. Uh, we love from those documentaries seeing the buildup to how big a deal this fight was. But Leonard, for all the endorsements that that show laid out, wasn't just a pretty face. He was a pit bull, whatever meta- metaphor you want to use a lion in that ring and he could punch. And when he sensed Hearns was hurt, he went after him and got him in the 13th and 14th round, Marquise. Absolutely. And it's one of those things with Leonard, as you well know, TJ, is that Leonard was one of the greatest at going for the kill in terms of uh, ring ring IQ, in terms of just closing shows. And he was, he he sensed it and that was it. And and I'm, I'm thinking here, TJ, because it was his, it was his, it was his left eye that was swollen, correct, from the fight. Correct. Was that, the, was that the fight? The best, um, if, I'm, I'm playing with memory here. That was the eye that gave him problems. That eventually, eventually, to yes. <laughs> e- eventually, yes. The detached retina came about really about two years, a year and a half later from a couple of more fights. It began that night yeah. in September 1981 in the desert with Hearns hitting it with that jab, hitting it with that long right hand. But the bigger point, one more, and then we'll move on to Ali Spinks, then we'll move on yeah. to a little news, and then I promise. We'll get out of here on a couple of fights that you might be interested in for this weekend. Uh, the the thing that you hearken back to is as many times as Hearns tried to hit him with that bomb right hand and knock him out, because again, Hearns had been leveling school buildings with that right hand yeah. in his ascension to world welterweight supremacy. He couldn't hurt Leonard. He couldn't knock him out with that right hand, sir. Not at all, and it's one of those things where it, Leonard just wasn't going to go down, and, I, and, and it's 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 such a great fight, TJ, only for the simple fact that these guys at the highest level were just so active, and I'm and for the life of me, it, it, that's what's so puzzling about boxing currently, where we have the fighters in certain divisions that just aren't active. I mean, 
directive on social media and Twitter. I mean, so am I at Week Sauce Radio, but <laughs> I, these guys are paid to get into the ring. I'm not. So it, it's, 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 it's puzzling on a lot of that. And I, I do love the fact also, TJ, I want to plug out with, with Lee's book as well. Uh, Tales from the Vaud, because we're mentioning Hearns here. There's a Hearns fight in here. Uh, Hearns Rodan in 87. Rodan won. That was a good one. Uh, I highly recommend anyone, everyone checking that, that book out on Amazon. But uh, they, no, it's, it's, it's a weird, it, it was a, just a great fight, TJ, and I really do wonder if history could if, if history could change itself. Had Hearns won these fights, where would we talk about Hearns in the same level as we, as we talk about Leonard today? As opposed, that's a great to question. Else? And we and we debated this earlier in the summer that when you talk about the Kings, yeah. that Roberto Duran uh, beat Sugar Ray Leonard in the first fight, but then he didn't win any more of the fights. Leonard won no. the Nomas rematch. Obviously, Hearns destroyed Duran with the yeah. with the big punch, and then and then controversial decision a little bit maybe. Duran was right in the fight with Hagler, but Hagler got the decision. So Duran only won one of the of the super fights. Yeah. In Hearns's case, he only won one of the kings of the fights, and that was the knockout of Duran. Duran. He lost to Leonard by TKO, and he only got the draw nine years later in the Leonard rematch in Las Vegas where Hearns should have gotten, should have, could have, would have, should have gotten the decision, but did not, despite knocking Leonard down in that fight, Marquise, didn't get the decision. So Hearns only got one win among the Kings. Uh, Hagler got two wins among the Kings, beating Duran, and then obviously the epic knockout of Hearns. Hearns. Sugar Ray Leonard got four wins because he beat Duran again later on in 1990. He beat Hearns once. He beat Duran twice. He beat Hagler Sugar Ray Leonard, four wins around the Kings to make him the greatest of the four. You can't argue with the numbers. I know I'm a Leonard fan, but you can't argue with the numbers. He got four of the wins. Not TJ. Numbers don't lie, but I'm just trying to figure out on, on that Mount Rushmore of the four Kings, uh, if, if, if we were to move ha- uh, Hearns and Hagler were to switch spots, had he gotten one more win, I'm just thinking that- just against any of these guys, just one more it would be a whole different story. Well, and the argument could be that he beat Leonard and Hagler couldn't do it, and it was it was Hagler's last fight. What you can't get over, I yeah. still can't get over this, is that Leonard knew that Marvin Hagler was aging in the ring beyond his chronological years. He was not the same fighter after the Hearns War. He was no. not the same fighter after he fought John Mugabe in what was a, a brutal fight that, that he eventually knocked him out in. So Hagler ends up getting beat by Leonard and he never fights again as a 33 year old. He was almost, he was late 32, almost 33. He never fought again. That's unthinkable in the present day. These guys are going until they're in their late thirties, early forties, almost automatically, but Hagler never fought again. Hearns obviously fought on for another decade, decade after the Kings and all around that fought into the fought into the late 1990s. As a matter of fact, horribly. Um, yeah. So and, and and Sugar Ray Leonard fought a couple of fights even in the 1990s. And Roberto Duran, who had no business fighting in the 1990s, was in his late 40s still trying to fight. So yeah. these guys just continue to, to – but Hagler never did, Marquise, is my point. He was gone after the Leonard fight at just before the age of 33 and never fought again. I, I hate to say it, TJ, I think Hagler may have been the smart one out of all of this because the other f- three guys just stay too long, and which is a story as we see constantly in boxing with fighters in the ring where they stay – past her prime and just in the ring too long. I mean, TJ, we saw it this past week at Vander Holyfield. He oh. was shredded at the weigh-in. Once the bell rang, he didn't know where he was at. It was because he was 58. So it, it's, it's, it's incredible. 
Whatever the metaphors, we keep saying you don't play boxing. It is not It is not Phil Mickelson winning a golf tournament at nearly 51 years of age. This ain't golf uh, in terms of the reflexes, the punches, uh, whatever. All right, so very quickly, let's get to your thoughts on Ali Spinks because Lee Groves talked a lot about it. 63,000 people in attendance there. 90 million watched on live TV when ABC was constantly – I mean, you talk about – all right, bring this back to uh, 1970s economy in dollars versus the 2020s now economy in dollars. ABC paid roughly $5 million, roughly $5 million. Hmm. And that in present day dollars, you could quadruple that. That's roughly like a $20 million layout wow. to try yeah. to make it back, maybe even more, even go five times that, $25 million. But they got 90 million people to watch. They obviously made money. Off of uh, off of this fight in the in the Superdome with Cosell on the card on the call and and Ali winning on live TV, I still remember as a little TJ watching that and seeing that. Now I can't tell you that I sat there and watched every second of every round as a little TJ, but I still remember that and it was on live TV, Marquise. TJ, it's funny, 90 million people. I don't know 90 million people who even know or heard of the Zone. By the way, to give you an idea and this perspective. <laughs> I, and, and those who are listening, I challenge you to ask those people. You, we, may, we may get there. We may get there. We may get half. But no, but back to the fight, TJ. It, no, it's, it's amazing because this was uh, Ali's. This pretty much was Ali's swan song in terms of uh, uh, correct send-offs. And this fight, because uh, he lost to Leon Spinks the first time around in an upset, which made him the youngest champion ever. So he had to get his belts back, right? And this was one of the fights that he did that in. And what... And, and, and unfortunately, what happened afterwards is what we all know with you know, the Larry Holmes fight and everything after, which is just not good. But for, the, for that last fight, TJ, where he, he wasn't he wasn't the same slick Rick Ropadope guy we saw, you know, beforehand, you know, fighting Liston a decade before that. But no, he was still smooth enough to beat past Spinks, which I thought was impressive, even at his age, even, even at, at that advanced age and knowing what we know now about him. Well, he had so much taken out of him in the Thriller Manila. The Thriller in Manila yeah. was 1975. This is three years later. Yeah, uh, and he was not the same fighter, but he was still that night. He was still good. He was still, as Lee said, in shape and good enough to beat Leon Spinks, who went completely downhill after that. Lost to Larry Holmes, lost another world title bids, uh, but he had his crowning moment in 1978, beating the greatest. It's just Ali got him back in the rematch. Few minutes left. Big fight weekend podcast. All right, news of the week. It is now confirmed. Top ranked boxing avoided the purse bid. They agreed to the deal. They, ESPN, they will take the lead. Terrence Crawford to defend the WBO version of the World Welterweight title against Sean Porter. Long reported uh, uh, in the media. We've written about it on BigFightWeekend.com. We've talked about it on the podcast. For all intents and purposes, it's now set. November 20th, Las Vegas. Marquise, your reaction real quick. I'm actually excited, TJ, and kind of disappointed because I was actually looking forward to seeing this whole WBO Zoom call set up for this purse bid and the the weird Zoom windows and seeing what behind backgrounds that Bob was going to have or who or Todd LaBeouf or whoever for PBC and Tom <laughs> Brown or Ray. It feels to be Ray Flores, you know, putting the bid in for him. I was I was I, TJ. I was looking for a circus and shenanigans for all of this purse bid stuff, and of course. That doesn't happen because they they had they made they finalized the deal. Apparently, I think like at like eleven thirty before like the actual purse was even happening, which is kind of funny. There's a great uh, t- a tweet a tweet online. TJ uh, Carl Moretti for Top Rank was down to put his purse bid in. Uh, the the thing was called off. Osley 
made made time for his two o'clock tea time in, in beautiful San Juan, Puerto Rico. So that wasn't changing anything. The going golf down, down in there. San Juan is good. I've never played, but I've seen the courses having been there a couple of times. And Carl Moretti was not going to be denied the tea time, even if he got yeah. his time wasted by the purse bid, because again, top rank had to have a representative. Anybody else that was bidding had to have a representative in the WBO offices Office. physically uh, in Puerto Rico to, to secure the bid. And I was fascinated to see this too. But again, just like anything else with a deadline, they move the deadline a couple of times. Oftentimes you go right to the deadline and get the deal done. Reportedly yeah. Crawford will make 6 million guaranteed. He's like Lee Majors as Colonel Steve Austin. You don't know this TV show, do you? The $6 million man. He oh, is yeah. going to make the $6 million guaranteed, the largest guarantee of his career. Sean Porter, not too bad. He'll make about $4 million guaranteed, which may very well be the biggest guarantee he's had, even as a championship fighter for Premier yeah. Boxing Champions. They'll both make more on the pay-per-view if it sells. Uh, again, one more time, I sat with Sean Porter on the T.C. Martin Show, our buddy in Vegas. He's on five days a week in the afternoons in Las Vegas, tcmartinshow.com. Sean Porter, um, late June, I sat right with him at the Cosmopolitan Hotel in front of the big audience at the Sportsbook T.C. Show, and he said he had been talking privately to Terrence Crawford on we will sell this as a pay-per-view together. It's a great matchup. We both need this fight. And Sean basically spoke it into existence, working with Crawford and working the media and working PBC and top rank, and they got the deal. It's incredible. And props to Sean Porter for getting this fight done because at the end of the day, TJ, Sean Porter is the one, is pretty much the first PBC guy to challenge Terrence Crawford for his belt. And it's a street that none have yet crossed for one reason or financial or whatever excuse you want to put in here right now for another. But Sean Porter just said, screw it. And I mean, I mean, to it, to it, to, I mean, TJ, to Sean's defense, this last fight with PBC was against Sebastian Formella in a bubble. So obviously he wanted someone a little bigger and you don't get any bigger than, than Terrence Crawford. Maybe he could have waited around for Ugas, maybe not, but he chose, he chose to take Crawford take down Crawford I'm props to him for it well and the bottom line they both need each other for this reason Porter's wanting to get another title fight Ugas has already beaten Pacquiao it might take another four months six months before Ugas fights again yeah you could fight a fight if you're Sean Porter between now and then and in Terrence Crawford's case it's obvious now with Errol Spence's eye injury he wasn't going to get Errol Spence anytime soon Pacquiao loses he's not he's getting on. that fight so what's the next best available thing besides Ugas, who you weren't going to get this fall? Yeah. And, and that's Sean Porter in this instance. So that's an intriguing thing for November. That fight um, is done. Um, interesting, too, the Canelo alvarez Caleb Plant fight. Tickets on sale this week for that. That's Las Vegas a couple of weeks before Crawford and Porter. November 6th, MGM Grand Garden Arena is where that one will happen on the Vegas Strip where Canelo has fought. Uh, several times. Uh, we also learned the Brandon Figueroa, uh, Stephen Fulton fight that we mentioned that's delayed because of COVID-19. That one rescheduled for the 27th uh, in yes. California, November 27th, November. after the Crawford Porter fight. So the dates are now filling up and lining up for October and November real quick, Marquise. Absolutely, TJ. It's great that these fights are filling up at least before the holiday season, per se. I mean, grand Crawford things will be Thanksgiving weekend. That's going to be fun, too. But it's great that at least with boxing, because it's a slow period now, but October, November, December, they are ramping up a lot, TJ, with these fight schedules and fight cards, mainly because... A, they have to, and B, a lot of these fighters during the year, TJ, have been really inactive, and at some point, we're, we're, we're going to see at some point, but before it's all said and done, but a lot more of these names. Let, let's be honest. I mean, you would have had a Teofimo Lopez-George Cambosis fight in June, 
And Lopez, mm-hmm. I keep using the phrase self-sabotaged. Self-sabotaged, got COVID-19, yeah. didn't take precautions, didn't get vaccinated, no fight in the summer. They've still been scrambling. They're going to make it happen, they hope, they think, in October in New York. We should have had, shoulda, coulda, woulda, a Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Self-sabotage yeah. again, again by Fury, <laughs> whatever the motives. Uh, he supposedly had COVID-19. There's still great skepticism that he was seen around without a mask in public when he was supposed to be quarantined just a few days later, whatever that fight yeah. didn't have. We would have already had those fights this summer. Yeah. We would be having Figueroa Fulton tonight. We would have had a David Benavides fight back three or four uh, weeks ago, weeks two ago. or three weeks ago. And Benavides would have been a player for the winner of Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant had he fought then Again, yeah. self-sabotage, COVID-19, uh, De La Hoya's return, although there's some skepticism now out of Los Angeles that not everything may have been on the up and up with De La Hoya's COVID-19 status. We don't know. We'll say this clearly on the Big Fight Weekend yeah. podcast. We're not doctors. We just play them on the podcast. Yeah. But there's skepticism that there was fewer than 2,000 tickets that had been sold for the Staples Center for the fight with Belfort, which would have been last weekend. Suddenly, De La Hoya is sick, says he has COVID-19. They scramble to move the thing to the Hard Rock Casino in South Florida, just north of Miami. There was basically nobody in attendance at the fight. The pay-per-view was a disaster, but at least De La Hoya's name wasn't on it. He wasn't yeah. involved. And so, but again, COVID-19, a problem with that. So we have been several different bed. times without fights in june july and august here and we were almost without pacquiao spence because of the eye injury to errol spence but we got that one with uh, yeah. pacquiao your dennis ugas so in any event let's hope we cram some more of these fights in but for a lot of these guys they screwed up their own situation the plant alvarez fight is not marquise you know this it's not happening this saturday because no. Canelo Alvarez wouldn't agree and wouldn't sign off and wouldn't do the deal back six, eight weeks ago for this fight to be September 18th. That's why it's not happening this weekend. Not at all, TJ. And it's, it's disappointing because, as you well know, and I, and I think there was, there's, a bizarre, there's a bizarre circumstance with this, too, as well, because as every, everyone in the, in the U.S. knows, it's Mexican Independence Day weekend this weekend. Right. And I've seen about five million flyers from everybody and everything, uh, Canelo included. And I saw one for the zone, you know, uh, pro- promoting, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month, you know. I'm, I'm assuming the zone was was probably hitching their wagon and hoping that Canelo was still on the poster. Uh, he's not. They're <laughs> they're celebrating with who your Cesar Chavez instead. Uh, I think senior, not junior. But more, but, but more importantly, with all that, with, with all these, with all these delays due to COVID, for one reason or because of injuries, it's it's the the clock on boxing has slowed everything down for a lot of these championship fights that you're mentioning, which. It's hindering a lot of it, which makes a lot of these fights that pretty much people were looking forward to seeing at point this year. We're not going to see like 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 the next heavyweight title defense for Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Lord knows when they're going to fight again. It may be one time next year, like next November, because you know they don't fight that often anymore. So is this it? It's just a bad. This is a bad look. It really is. Again, next week we'll have the heavyweight championship unification battle. Anthony Joshua back in the ring for the first time this year. Alexander Usyk, the former undisputed cruiserweight champion, with the one disclaimer that we are still a week and a half away at the time that we're taping the podcast, roughly 10 days away, that there could be a COVID-19 problem there. And I'm on the record on the front end a couple of times before, and I'm saying it right here, that Eddie Hearn took a real risk with matchroom boxing, not having this fight in August when he could have had it. 
and he yeah. pushed it off to try to promote it and sell more tickets, have it at Wembley Stadium, have it in front of 90,000 people. He pushed it off to the end of September. And if there is a problem next week because of COVID-19 and the flare-ups, either Joshua or Usyk, man, I told you so. I'm just going to be yeah. the biggest I told you so on this podcast next week if it flares <laughs> up and costs us this fight because they could have had this fight Back when they were trying to scramble and get everything in, the date that was being talked about was August 14th, the week before the Pacquiao-Spence fight. It could have been then, but they wanted to wait six more weeks and take the risks. Risks, plural. Now let's see what happens for Usyk and Joshua Marquise. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that next week, TJ. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward, and hopefully this fight actually does happen, because I think, TJ, if, if I was just reading around on, on the scuttle, but in the back of your point about Oscar De La Hoya before, if I heard only 2,000 tickets were sold to my fight, I may have caught stick, too, but I probably would have done something <laughs> like like an arm injury and sparring. I wouldn't right. necessarily say I had COVID, but whatevs. I mean, he put a video out on this, so I guess he had some form of something. He may have had, you know. A, There's a more than one else. person that saw that video in the hospital bed. And, and look, I enjoy a good conspiracy as much as anybody, but saw that video yeah. in the hospital bed and said, come that, on, man. That was a little <laughs> overacting, bad acting on that. But who knows? Uh, I, TJ, I, I've, think, I've been, I think the, we've been the larger play and I, and look, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody that says that they have it. Yeah. Um, if they have it, they have it. We're not doctors, but there's a larger play that De La Hoya, yeah. you've been talking about this and you've been writing about this on bigfightweekend.com. De La Hoya needs a landing place for golden boy in their fights. Yeah. And is that Triller? And were they talking behind the scenes of pull the plug? You know, again, if you're thinking conspiracy, Follow yeah. me here, Marquise, react. If All you right. know your fight's a disaster at the Staples Center, you pull the plug on that. You know Holyfield has got problems with Triller, right? Mm-hmm. So now he inserts in your place to get paid, and they take the loss. And at the end of the rainbow here is not just De La Hoya fighting again, but his Golden Boy fights end up on Triller to help revive that. It's not that far-fetched to line those three things up. I'm not saying it did happen. It just makes for a juicy what if. No, it makes sense, TJ. And it, it seems that uh, De La Hoya and Triller are working on something to get something together. To give you an idea, TJ, uh, uh, the, the, the three knockdown rule podcasts where we had, you know, Steve Kim on, you know, podcast guests and whatnot, Mario Lopez, those guys, their podcast apparently is being streamed on Triller uh, uh, app one way or another starting next week. So they have enough coin or enough loose change to put put the, the stream of the podcast. I'm assuming they're having enough coin to stream this boxing promotion along with Oscar De La Hoya, which is what they need because essentially go with Golden Boy, I think they only have with the zone one more fight card left. And I want to say that's supposed to happen in October, but we've seen their zone rollout schedule that the matching side that's put out so far in the U.S. and it's it's not good. So I'm hoping uh, whatever whatever loose changes left in the the zone piggy bank for this Golden Boy card uh, looks a little better than what the zones put out for these matching shows because this is pretty poor. <laughs> no doubt about that. All right, speaking of pretty poor, we've already belabored this. I wish for our friends at Sports Gambling Podcast and for those that are interested in fight picks that we had something nor- noteworthy. Yeah, uh, we, we've said it a couple of different ways. There's just not anything noteworthy this weekend in terms of a championship fight worldwide. We're talking about yeah. uh, the closest because, again, this was supposed to be Ca- Caleb Plant uh, challenging Canelo. Canelo Alvarez for the undisputed 168 pound crown crown didn't happen. 
uh, as opposed to then as a backup, Showtime slid in and said, okay, we have an opportunity here to put the unified super bantamweight title fight on between Brandon Figueroa, Stephen Fulton. Would have been an action-packed fight. Not happening. Real good fight. <laughs> not, not happening due to COVID-19. Okay, so that leaves us with what we do have, which is prospect cards, PBC on Fox, both Saturday night while college football is going on, Sunday night while the NFL is going on. Both on Fox Sports 1 cable, Marquise, not much here, not even any gambling odds. The Saturday night show has a lightweight main event between prospects Jose Valenzuela and uh, Dinier, if I said it right, Dinier Berrios. Berrios yeah. Light, lightweights uh, with uh, Berrios and, uh, and Valenzuela. The Sunday night show, um, again, from the same site, Bakersfield, California. They're fighting two nights in the same place, both on Fox Sports 1. Malik Montgomery in action. Aleem Jumakanoff, if I said it right, yes. junior lightweights in that one. Omar uh, Juarez, yeah. a junior welterweight prospect in the co-feature. So, again, we don't have odds on this. Give me more on, on those fight cards. Saturday night, Sunday night, same location, Bakersfield, California, on Fox Sports 1 cable in the U.S., Premier Boxing Champions. Weird times that these fight cards are, are, are on, T, TJ, uh, on, on the East Coast, to give you an idea. I think these are on, like, I want to say 7 p.m. Eastern, and the cards are coming out, uh, coming out, of, uh, out of Bakersfield uh, for a fight on back-to-back nights at a, at a fight card. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, TJ, I feel sorry for the people of Bakersfield. The last time that PBC had a card there, TJ, it was Tony Harrison and Charlo too. That was a great card. They have back-to-back nights of these cards of pretty much burn-off episodes of sitcoms uh, with, with these prospect <laughs> cards here, TJ. And, 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 and they're put on in times where – Honestly, TJ, it's Saturday night college football season. What are you? Sure. No, if you have a remote and you don't have FS1, you're going to miss this. This is the way it is. Like, I don't know what. They're only the, going to have the hardest of the hardcore and maybe Valenzuela and Berrios' family members and friends. I don't know. If tune we're going to on this if, one on, on Saturday. And Sunday's not going to be much better with the NFL playing out and Sunday night football playing out uh, for this weekend. Uh, for the other fight card. And again, does anybody stand out? Malik Montgomery, maybe in that main event, Omar Juarez in Omar the co-feature Juarez Sunday is, night. Out of all the, out of all the process you mentioned on these cards, TJ, the one I'm actually looking forward to actually day one has Jose Venezuela. He's actually interesting. He actually mentioned up uh, because they, they sent some press notes out about uh, his training camp and how shocking TJ training camp went great for Jose Venezuela. But more importantly, he <laughs> mentioned out how uh, Barrios likes to box off his back foot. He's going to try to take advantage of that. That's probably the one thing to look for in, in that main event on Saturday. Sunday, personally, I think the main event's pretty, pretty, pretty bad. I, the co-main event is what I'm actually looking forward to seeing Omar Juarez because it's a stay busy for him to stay busy, see how he looks like. But personally, TJ, if if if, if you didn't know boxing was happening on FS1 this weekend, or if you don't have it on your cable package, eh, you're you're okay. <laughs> there you go. Wish we had better odds and better predictions. By the way, the early peak at Joshua and Usyk for next week, unified heavyweight title fight. Joshua with three of the belts, and again, Usyk undefeated, former Olympic champion, former. Um, cruiserweight undisputed champion, number one WBO contender. Um, Anthony Joshua minus 270. The under over is nine and a half rounds. Marquise doesn't have to go on the record this week, but there's a bunch of wagering that's going to go on. Those lines might move by the time we get to the late next week. Let's just hope we get to late next week. Let's get the next for week. Joshua and Usyk to fight at Wembley Stadium, 90,000 people, the biggest sporting event. Uh, to date, really, in the UK to have that kind of crowd and have Joshua yeah. fighting. We hope we can get there. 
for next Saturday night for that. And then two weeks after that is when the trilogy third fight, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder still scheduled to come off one of several more times. I will say this or write this before we get there, the WBC and their clown act with this whole thing with Oscar Valdez and not stripping him and whatever the WBC should be on the front end of this uh, as well. They should be mandating Tyson Fury either fights Deontay Wilder October 9th or the belt is vacant. If for any reason he's not fighting on October 9th, we're not waiting anymore. The belt is vacant. We'll find Wilder an opponent in November or December. We'll pick a date. We'll pick an opponent. And it's a vacant fight. And Fury can fight somebody down the road. Having not defended the title for a year and a half, you're not going to sabotage, self-sabotage, or ruin any more of, of chances here to fight Deontay Wilder, who's literally been waiting. Wilder healthy and has been waiting for almost a calendar year now yeah. for this fight. Tyson Fury didn't want to fight him last winter, tried to fight him in court for the arbitration, did not have to fight him, didn't fight him in June when he, or uh, what July when he was supposed to. Yeah. Now, if he doesn't fight him in October, the WBC on the front end should protect Deontay Wilder. I will continue to say it for the next three weeks, and we'll write well, it. Well, the WBC has to do something, you know, to prove that they're actual boxing administration of some point, right? Sooner or later. I mean, that they're holding Bridgerweight Zoom call meetings. This is whatnot, their biggest title. the biggest thing they have. Yes. <laughs> and Fury has made a mockery of it to this point on not defending. And if he's not defending again, that's it. You run out of no, chances and strip him, vacate him. And, hey, lots of luck on fighting Wilder down the road or whoever is the WBC champ or fighting Anthony Joshua. We'll yeah. see how that goes. All right. Anything else in closing, Marquise? We got to get out of here. What else you got uh, for just, me before we're done? Uh, just one thing. I want, want to ro 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 lay out the uh, the quick uh, the, uh, the zone falsehoods that they mentioned out real quick. Uh, uh, one fight that, uh, that I think of, of real interest on it, uh, TJ, is December 30th. Dillian White, uh, Halloween weekend. Dillian White's taking on uh, Otto Wallin, which I think is October actually, 30th. Not December, October 30th. October 30th coming 30th. up. Uh, O2 Arena in London. Dillian White, Otto Wallin. Real good, real good fight, and actually a better matchup than what I wrote for Big Fight Weekend. Where I'm trying to figure out now what what sheet of paper did Jermaine Franklin sign? Because he says he's trying to see a paper saying, "Hey, the contract signed." Maybe he's shadow boxing for uh, on October 30th. Who knows? But nonetheless, that fight's worth interesting. Looking forward to. I'm looking forward to that for the simple reason I want to see what version of Dillian White we get. That that's not facing you know ghost of of Alexander Povetkin like we've seen for the last pandemic. So looking forward to seeing that. All right, so that one is announced official as well. So there's a lot of fight dates and things lined up. Go read the site, bigfightweekend.com. We've lined it up again. Thank you to the audience that's reading us by the tens of thousands every week, every month. On this podcast, again, there are thousands and thousands of you that are finding us, not just in the U.S. We can see through the podcast stats and analytics. We've got podcast, podcast listens not only in North America, but all over the U.K., all over Australia, the oh, yeah. Far East, wherever, that are reading the site and hearing the podcast Keep it up, Marquise. Great work. Keep working on BigFightWeekend.com, and thank you for hanging here on the podcast again. Absolutely, TJ. Uh, BigFightWeekend.com for all things boxing news, past, present, future. We'll keep on things going on during the weekend. We'll keep it. Keep one eye open on these Fox cars this weekend. I, I, I don't. Keep, I don't think I'm going to give all four of them to them, but I'll, I'll keep one eye on it at least in, in the event Oregon State loses. But uh, that and if, if any other random news and notes comes along the line, and apparently this, there, there's been a lot of it rolling out. TJ, we'll keep up for it. Bigfightweekend.com. No doubt. Again, follow him at Week Sauce Radio. Follow us at Big Fight Weekend. The uh, Big Fight Weekend Facebook page can also stay engaged with our articles and our stuff. Thanks to Lee Groves with us as well from uh, RingTV.com. And Lee, again, with that book. Uh, from with, Tales what is it? from the Vault. Tales from the Vault that he's got. 
in this corner is the podcast as well for Lee. Fine Lee Groves. He gave us some great historical perspective on Ali Spinks too. And Sugar Ray Leonard Thomas Hearns, I say one more time, I don't want to accept that that was 1981 that Leonard defeated Hearns in 1978 that the greatest won again in front of 90 million TV viewers. Man. You don't get 10 million viewers anymore uh, for anything on network TV except football. Yeah. Um, and they got 90 million that night. Wow. All right. For now, we are done. We're all good. I am merely TJ Reeves from Marquise Johns. Thank you for being with us. Subscribe to this podcast on any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thank you to the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. We are done on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Next weekend, Joshua and Usyk talk. We're all about it on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.